1: Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today just Brittany and I in our pajamas recording this.
0: Yeah it's I said to Lauren it's like the most Monday of all Mondays that I've ever experienced. How was your weekend? It was
1: amazing. So when we're recording this it was just Father's Day weekend and you're probably going to hear this in the fall and you can just tell how type A we are because we're recording it right now. After Father's Day weekend. Actually, maybe not the fall. I don't know. I actually think it's in like three weeks. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) ignore me. Okay. My weekend was good. I, so my parents came down for Father's Day and we did all the things. So I, Friday, the BYOs here are amazing. Oh, in Philly? Yeah. Yes. You can just bring your own alcohol and then your bill's like $100 less.
0: Um, So we
1: went to a BYO on Friday. That was amazing. And uh, I got the pasta, which I definitely wouldn't have in the past. And it was amazing. And what else? Oh, oh my gosh. The dessert. We got creme brulee and a flourless chocolate cake. I'm going to. I love creme brulee. Oh my gosh. Same. And it's funny because we were all really full. And the guy, the owner was talking to us and he was like, all of the desserts are handmade like and I'm just like like what does that even mean like obviously they're handmade right yeah (laughs) but I was like oh you say that to me like I have to have it chocolate flourless chocolate cakes like my most favorite thing ever so we
0: got that and are you like an ice cream on the chocolate cake or do you just like the chocolate cake
1: yes flourless chocolate cake not really because it's so rich
0: mm. but
1: like a molten chocolate lava cake yes, with a scoop yes. of vanilla ice cream <clears throat> it's my favorite so yeah that was so fun and yeah definitely not something that I would have done in the past I would have been like I'm full I'm not well I probably wouldn't have even gotten the pasta I would have gotten the fish right but the pasta was amazing Saturday we had a day yesterday we had a day it was it was good what'd you do
0: so I had a pretty eventful weekend. Friday night my boyfriend surprised me with date night. So he came in he's actually he sent me a text he's like 8:30 reservation, dress trendy-ish. I'm like what does that mean? Wait, 8:30? <laughs> yep. Well, okay, he's working on Pacific time, so that's why. Oh, oh. So eight thirty okay. is what, like five thirty on the yeah, West Coast. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say, like, I literally, if my reservation's after like six thirty, I've gotten
0: used to having afternoon snacks. Let's just say yes.
1: that.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, but we went. He took us to this like amazing new Korean French restaurant, and it was adventurous and delicious. And I was thinking, like, if this was five, six, seven years ago, I never would have been flexible enough to just let him take me to a random restaurant without confirming menu items beforehand. So I, you know, it's those experiences like make me think like, I'm so glad that I'm in this place with food because I can really be present and enjoy And then his family actually came in from out of state. And so we went up to Storm King, which is basically like this outdoor like sculpture, beautiful place in Hudson Valley. And we did like bike riding and walking. And then we had brunch in Beacon. And so I felt like this weekend in general, it's kind of like goes into what we're gonna talk about today, but just having the freedom to eat and having the flexibility around food is a game changer. You know, we had lunch and I'm like, what sounds good? Like a turkey sandwich sounds really good. I randomly really wanted the mayo on it. It was just a random craving. And then we got ice cream afterwards and had like an amazing dinner Saturday night. I got a lobster roll Sunday. But none of this would have been possible or it would have been possible. It just completely would have changed the experience because I wouldn't have been present throughout. So let's talk about the topic today, which is how our relationship with food really impacts our other relationships. So whether it's romantic or friendships.
1: So let's start with a question. So we want you guys to kind of like think about it, right? If you're listening to this podcast, either you're a friends or you (laughs) struggle with food, right? Or we're just entertaining you in some way, which is great too. But I want you guys to think, like, how much of your day do you feel like you spend thinking about food? And I always think about that TikTok that's like, it says, like, all the days of the week. I forget what the sound is, but somebody did a a TikTok on it and it was like, how often do you think about food? And it was like, all the time, essentially, right? Well, first of all, thinking about food all the time isn't normal. I used to, like, joke about it and because, like, in school it was all of my friends were nutrition majors and we're like I don't understand how like people forget to eat I don't understand how people like don't think about food all the time after I eat breakfast I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm gonna have for lunch I'm like I didn't realize that. It's not normal.
0: Or healthy. So usually when someone's having a preoccupation with food and it's just constantly on your mind, there is an unhealthy relationship with food, but it also probably means you're undereating. because when you're under eating, your body, your brain is literally like setting out signals and cravings to make you want to eat. And so, yeah, I mean, Lauren, I, I love that question because it's like, what percentage of your day do you think about food or what portion of your day do you think about food? So maybe if you're listening like hit the pause button and kind of think about it. And then what's the next question, Lauren? The
1: other question is, so whenever I'm on a call of somebody that like might be signing up for coaching, I ask them like, if we work together, how will this affect your world? How will this impact other areas of your life? Like take relationship with food out of this. Like, yes, I want you to improve your relationship with food, that's the whole point. But what else is it going to affect? How is it going to affect your relationships? How is it going to affect your social life? How is it going to affect your mental health, right? Like there's so many other things that it, Effects And going back to the like thinking about food all of the time, I also want to make note that like thinking about food all of the time, sometimes I don't get like my actual hunger cues. Like sometimes if my stomach's growling, I'm like I waited too long, but I will start to think about food when I start to get hungry. So like you said, with the under eating, like thinking about food can be just a sign of hunger, too. So pause ask yourself like put yourself in your future position in your future self's shoes and ask yourself how your life would change if you weren't thinking about food 24 7. what would you have more space for what relationships would improve and sometimes it's really hard to even put yourself in that position because you don't even know what it's like right like for me i was like i don't know Like I don't know a world without thinking about food all
0: the time. Sometimes what helped me too is I would look at other friends who had really healthy relationships with food and I'm like, And part of me was like envious I'm like, how do they not think about food all the time? And like, why are they so relaxed around food? So even maybe envisioning, obviously we don't really know what's going on in someone's life unless you're really living that life. But even on the outside, like what aspects of, you know, your friend do you wish you had? Like, do you wish you could just do an impromptu date night or, you know, grab ice cream on like a random Saturday afternoon just because it sounds good and it's hot outside?
1: Yeah. And for me, it was a lot of like in college, it was a lot of like if people were going out during the week or something, I would be like, oh, well, I'm not going to go out during the week because drinking will make me eat like drunk eat when I get home and then the next day I'm gonna eat like crap right so it wasn't even like I know you mentioned like going out to eat and it being about like you had to pick the restaurant or make sure that there was like something that you could eat and for me it was a little bit more of like I just wouldn't even go like if it didn't fit into my schedule or like my schedule of eating.
0: Which is sad. Like, think even looking back, like I definitely missed out on certain experiences with friends. And we talked about this too. I feel like it's interesting for both of us. I think we missed out on a lot of experiences because of our anxiety, which we're both very open about. And then we also missed a lot of experiences because of our food anxieties, like our food fears. And so, you know, I always think back to my friends just thought I was really annoying to go out with. And I'm sure at times, like people said to me, like, like, or they chose not to go out with me because... I would make such a big deal about what we were getting, what we were ordering. It had to be approved by me. Like I was so inflexible around food that it would honestly stress every other person at the table out. And I kind of want to talk about that, too, because I think that who you're eating with can really impact how you're feeling about food in the moment. And so like every single person at the table is getting a salad and it's like, well, I feel guilty now that I'm getting a burger, even though that's what I really want.
1: And asking yourself in that situation, you know, what am I afraid of? Right. Like, am I afraid of? OK, so your answer is judgment. OK, what if they judge you? And asking kind of like taking yourself through that whole situation and getting to the bottom of like, what is it that you're actually afraid of? You're worried about judgment. Okay. Are you worried about like feeling left out? Like what is it? And then, eventually you get to this place where you you're able to think a little bit more rationally and it's like okay well if I'm feeling this way who am I going out with like do I need to step away from these people in my life if I'm actually worried that they're gonna like think of me differently because of the way that I'm eating because I want a freaking burger <laughs> like there something is going on there or you'll get to this place where you're like wait These people literally love me. They don't give a shit about what I'm ordering, right? That's just my own judgment that I'm reflecting onto them.
0: And like at the very core, it's like your close friends and family. My hope is that they just want you to be happy. So whether that means getting the salad or getting the burger, they want you to be happy. But it can be really hard and triggering for people when you're dining out because I think that we all care so much about what others think. And I think it's just a part of being a human being where you at the very core, like want to feel accepted and you want to feel, yeah, basically just feel accepted by people exactly yeah
1: and we talk about that with body image too it's like what it comes down to is like as a human you care what people think like there's when people are like oh why do you care what people think it's like because I'm a human it's a very normal thing to do because in your ancestor days if you didn't feel accepted if you weren't part of the tribe like you were dead so it's our like ancestral brain trying to keep us safe and it's a normal thing but when we actually think down to the rational aspects of of it it's like oh okay like it's actually not a big deal at all.
0: I also think that when people make food comments like oh you're not going to finish that or why are you getting the salad it really has a lot more to do with them than it does with you.
1: I was gonna say the same.
0: Yeah so like if someone's like oh like why aren't you finishing that? They're probably feeling insecure or they're feeling weird that they finished their whole plate and you didn't. But the truth is, and I say this to clients all the time, we have no idea what somebody ate that day. That person could have had like five snacks that day. They could have had like massive meals, like who knows? But so that's why it's really ineffective to just compare what you're eating to somebody else because we have no idea what they ate that day, especially with influencers who post like what I ate in a day or like their meals. Like we don't actually know what they're eating in the day. Right. Yeah,
1: I posted a TikTok like that and I was like, I'm actually not going to tell you what I eat in a day because if I eat a ton or if I don't eat that much, you're going to compare yourself whichever way it goes. So it's just not helpful at all because nothing should be telling you how much or what to eat other than
0: yourself. And it also, it doesn't impact what someone else has in a day.
1: Yeah. And also allowing, I think sometimes this is something I definitely used to do too, is like... If there's somebody that you envy in terms of the way that they look or like the shape of their body and you are trying to mimic almost like the way that they eat, it's not helpful. And again, you don't know what they actually eat. They could just be naturally thin, you know? Like it doesn't even have to do with what they eat. And I always say too, like so many times this is also what I used to do with like workout programs. I'd be like, oh, I want to look like her and she has a workout program. So I'm going to go do her workout program. Right. And it's like, first of all, you don't know where she started. She could have just been really naturally thin and just put on muscle. Right. And you don't know what she eats. You don't know her relationship with food. You don't know her relationship with exercise. Is she forcing her to do herself to do these things and whatnot? So and maybe she's not, but you just never know the whole story essentially.
0: You never know the whole story. And also, like genetics plays a really big role. And so, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up, I would compare a lot of what I eat to my sister. My sister is just very naturally small. And she always was. Like, if you look at pictures from her about mitzvah, she looked like a little beanpole with like tiny little arms and legs. And I would always compare what I was eating to what she was eating. And I felt like I was always hungrier than she was. And it took like literally 20 years to be like, it's okay if I need to eat more than she does. And I, my body needs more food. Like it's totally fine. And it's not something that we need to judge ourselves on because I think that a lot of judgment and shame comes into it when, you know, realistically it's like, are you judging your friend or you're judging yourself because you your friend is drinking less water than you are, or she needs less water than you do, or pees less times during the day on a road trip. But food is such a like fragile state of mind that we, you know, a lot of comparison and shame and you know frustration comes into it. Yes, one hundred percent.
1: It's the stories that we create with it, right? If we didn't have, if we didn't attach stories to things there would be very little judgment left. It's the stories that's creating the judgment and the shame and for us to just not feel great about ourselves.
0: It's so true because You know, imagine like going shopping with friends. I feel like there's probably a lot more judgment if you require a bigger size than your friend, but I guarantee you if you went to like a shoe store and you were like asking for a 10 and your friend was a seven, like you said, like there's no story attached there. Like it's just, I'm a size 10, my friend is a size seven. But when it comes to clothing, like we're attaching this narrative as if somehow it's our fault that we, you know, require a bigger size. Exactly, exactly. So
1: let's jump into a little bit more of like, so relationships in general, right, can definitely be affected by our relationship with food, whether that for me, it was more so just like declining things for you is more of like controlling things. Uh, what about the dating aspect of of things
0: yes so you know I I look back and I have regret I don't like to live life with regrets but I look back and it's like that was unfortunate so you know for example I was dating someone at the time and he wanted to take me to this like Michelin star restaurant like incredible fresh restaurant in New York and I declined because in my mind I'm like French food means a lot of butter means a lot of like it's a 10 course meal or seven course meal whatever it was like that's gonna be too much food for me to have so instead I asked if we could do like Greek and Mediterranean because that always felt like the safer choice for me. But looking back, I'm like, I still never went to that restaurant and I wish I just like had that eating opportunity. So I feel like when certain dating opportunities came up for me, most of the time in the beginning when I really was, struggling with my relationship with food I was not present I was very anxious I was almost like resentful that I was being taken to these places I'll never forget this guy took me to an Indian restaurant and it was a lot of sauces and a lot of seasonings and bread and I was really annoyed that he took me to a place that didn't have like a ton of salads or vegetables or like safer choices and you know it genuinely is really sad but what I will say is over time I finally was able to heal my relationship. And what's interesting was my ex-boyfriend, like years and years ago, being in that relationship helped me to be more open to foods, but I still wasn't giving myself full permission. So I was eating things, but there was a lot of guilt and shame attached to it. And a lot of like, I have to get back on track on Monday. And so it really wasn't until I actually healed. And my friend, Rachel, listens to every single episode. So she'll love that I'm saying this. But she said to me, like, listen, like, you can't be in a relationship because you are so restrictive with food. And she's like, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, guys are going to have a really hard time going out with you if you're so, if you're micromanaging every single thing you're putting into your body. And she was 100% right. Like, I wasn't ready to be in a relationship until I really worked on myself, until I was able to heal my relationship with food. yeah.
1: And I think that's a huge aspect too, is like when you do start dating someone, there's this whole culture around like you gain weight when you start dating someone, right? What is it <laughs> called like
0: the love pounds or something? Yeah,
1: yes. Because one, you feel like secure in that relationship, but also sometimes, I mean, at least for me, it was like I went out to eat a lot more with Austin because I was comfortable. And then I was, I, I just, was eating a lot more things that I wouldn't normally eat, you know, which is a a good thing. It pushed me out of my comfort zone and helped me heal my relationship with food even further. But it's just so interesting, those love pounds (laughs) and why it doesn't even have to be such a bad thing. Like they're great for me because it just shows like how restrictive I used to be.
0: And I was going to say like, yeah, like why does it need to be a negative? Like Why can't it be like a sign of happiness that you're finally, you know, having experiences? I feel like oftentimes there's such a negative association with weight gain, but there are so many other things that could be really positive that are associated, you know, with that weight. And what I will say is like with my current boyfriend, Jeremy, like food is such an important piece of our experiences. Like at least when it comes to travel or trying new restaurants in New York and even cooking at home. I cannot imagine being so restrictive. It would really impact our experiences together. Yeah, and you
1: mentioned cooking at home. Like I was a big micromanager when I would come home from college and my mom was cooking. I'm like, oh, are you you putting butter or are you gonna use olive oil? And it's like so messed up. Like my mom's making me this amazing meal and I'm like micromanaging it. And it was hard, too, because it was like, you know, they wanted my input because I was the nutrition major and we were being, quote unquote, healthy. You know what I mean? But we didn't realize nobody realized (laughs) that it was being restrictive and micromanaging and
0: and it was coming from a place of like disordered eating versus like authentic health. Exactly. That's exactly right. What's so funny, so I was cooking dinner for my girlfriends from college and... They told me this like a few weeks ago and I was dying laughing, but they said when you were really like strict with the food, you had gone to the bathroom. Like I was cooking a meal for them at home. And apparently while I was in the bathroom, my friend added like half a stick of butter and salt because they wanted the food to actually taste good. And they knew that I would never in a million years add that myself. So they said like, yeah, we fully added like a ton of salt, like butter, oil, just to like make the food actually taste palatable. And I was laughing because it took them like, literally six years to tell me that they did that. But I genuinely thought that was very funny. At the time I would have absolutely freaked out. So I'm glad I didn't know Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh, that is so (laughs) funny. What were you making them?
0: I have no idea. (laughs) I, I truly don't, but I mean, I love to cook, But I was always so fearful of adding too many calories, especially fat, which is so ironic because, you know, if you know anything about nutrition, like, and I didn't know this until years later into like studying nutrition, but you need fat to actually absorb fat soluble vitamins. So when clients would come to me, they're like, I'm so healthy. I'm eating a massive salad with vegetables, but there was no fat on the salad. They weren't actually absorbing any of this A, D, E, and K. And that,
1: acts, it comes down to like, what is health to you? Like, yes. is health just vegetables? Okay, well, that's.
0: Is health just vegetables and low calorie or is it really getting like a balance of nutrients? And that could actually be a whole other episode, by the way. Like, what is, what is health? Yeah.
1: And I think it's different for everybody, but it's definitely not just diet and exercise.
0: No, no. Definitely not. But yeah, I think, you know, if you are struggling in your relationship with food and you almost feel like you can't get out of this bubble, you don't see sort of this light at the end of the tunnel. I really recommend like thinking exactly what Lauren was saying, like looking at what your life would look like if you healed your relationship with food, like three years from now, five years from now, a year from now, what would your life look like and what do you want it to look like? So I think it was Marcy Evans' course that I took once and she had like a pie chart. And in the pie chart, you carved out different areas of your life that was really important to you and to really think about like where in that is like food and body image and what other pieces of the pie do you want to be there, like, right? So romantic relationships, friendships, work, that's like a whole other topic And, you know, how much of your life do you really want to devote thinking about food and to think about like how much of your life you can really open up if you were to think about food less? Yes, exactly.
1: And putting and trying to put yourself in those shoes, right, where you're like, what could possibly be? Right. Even just the mental headspace. Yes. What would you use it for? Right. Like I had no idea that there was so much headspace I had that could be used for other things
0: reading and creativity and, you know, getting more into your work or even being able to be a better partner or a better friend or a sister and a daughter. So yeah, it's incredible to think how much space the two of us and like everyone who's like worked with us and gone through the programs have been able to open up yeah. simply by just healing their relationship with food. Yes. And it's
1: really hard to picture it until you get It is. Because you've probably been in it for so long. And like I said, I thought it was so normal to just think about food all the time. I was the nutrition major. I was the quote unquote healthy one. And uh, I didn't realize that's not health. At least it's not what I wanted health to be. Uh, At the time it was because that was like my entire persona. But it doesn't have to be that way.
0: Right. And also I think just like realizing certain foods are meant for, you know, creating better health, but also a lot of food is there for just creating satisfaction and enjoyment, celebration, and to be part of the experience. And so, you know, kind of going to this idea of health, it's being healthy is also having a healthy relationship with food and being flexible with food and actually like enjoying what you're eating.
1: Right. And you mentioned experiences. Like I always say that there's a whole nother, there's like You're eating when you're hungry, but there's also a whole nother type of eating. It's like experiential hunger, right? Like, which we could do a whole episode on. But essentially, you don't have to be hungry. Like, if you are only eating when you're hungry, which like, yeah, most of the time, that's when you're eating, but... If you're not hungry and you're going to a birthday party and they have an amazing cake from your favorite bakery, but you're going to say you're not hungry like and you're not going to have the cake because you're not hungry. Right. Well, I would pull experiential hunger out of my toolbox and say, you know, you can eat things based on experience. You don't have to turn this into like the hunger and fullness diet.
0: Yes. I actually love that. I, I usually say like taste hunger, but I like experiential hunger because a lot of it is, is experience based right. too. Especially like when you're traveling and. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Food is so much more than just fuel, right? Like yes, food is fuel. It's amazing, but it's experiences, it's your relationships, it's your memories, it's your bottomless mimosas. <laughs>
0: it's so much who more. made cookies yeah. ice cream on like a random Saturday exactly it's everything yes and one last thing you know I sometimes have clients who are like oh I'm so jealous of people who eat to live and don't live to eat yeah I'm like But are we really jealous of people who eat to live? Because it would be pretty sad to not enjoy food. Because I do have friends, by the way, who could care less about food. It's not even from like a dieting standpoint. It's just they don't care about food. I know. But thinking about like so many of my experiences that are food driven and like the best way possible, I'm like, I wouldn't want to just eat to live. Like I also love to live to eat too. So
1: true. I always think about that too. It's, it's kind of crazy when I come across people that are like, I'm just like, food is just meh to me.
0: I once went on a date with someone and he was like, I'm like, oh, like, do you, do you love to food? Like what restaurants do you love? He's like, honestly, like I could have bowls of buttered noodles for the rest of my life. And I was like, okay, this is definitely not going to work out. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> go. Awful. I mean, buttered noodles is great, but not for every single meal for the rest of my life. Oh
1: my gosh. That's really funny because I did have buttered noodles last night. And it is one of my favorite meals, (laughs) but I could not have it for every single meal. I would get so sick of it. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. All right. Well, that was a good little chat.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to really kind of like zoom out and see it's not when we talk about relationship with food, it's not just like, oh, let's heal our relationship with food. It's also let's give back to other areas in our life. Let's make space for other things in our life. And I think that's like the biggest takeaway, right? Is how our relationship with food really impacts our relationships with others and our relationships with experiences and other activities we can really create space for in the long run. Amazing. Well, thanks again for joining me on this Monday. Yes. I'm impressed with us. I right am now. impressed with us. Oh, man. Really impressed. But yeah. So we will see you guys next Sunday. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay
1: connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.